0: From the rule of our Holy Father, St. Benedict, chapter the 7th, De Humilitate, continued. The eighth degree of humility is for a monk to do nothing except what is authorized by the common rule of the monastery, or the example of his seniors. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks for yes, your God. The monk who is following Jesus along the Via Crucis will necessarily lose along the way the notion that he is somehow different from others, exceptional and unlike anyone else. He does not want to be considered special in any way. The man who, because he believes that he is not like the rest of men, Luke 18, refuses to do things as his fathers and brothers do them, when they do them, and in the way they do them, such a man is indulging a peculiar form of pride. Psychologists speak of the narcissistic personality disorder. St. Benedict sees the same narcissistic manifestations as a vice. He also prescribes the remedy, do nothing except what is authorized by the common rule of the monastery or the example of his seniors. The brother who, who nourishes a secret belief in his own superiority will always find opportunities to stand out, to stand apart, to preserve that little difference that reinforces this belief. The brother who cannot give up his personal way of doing things fears that if he starts doing everything as others do, he will cease being special. And this he finds terrifying. To such a brother the abbot must repeat St. Benedict's injunction again and again firmly and with patience, do nothing except what is authorized by the common rule of the monastery or the example of the seniors. The professed must give the example of a quiet regularity. Regularity is a harbinger of peace. Over time, over twenty, twenty-five, thirty, forty, fifty years, a monastic family adopts certain ways of doing things. In the first twenty or twenty-five years of a monastery's life, while the community is still building and growing and adjusting to local circumstances, there will inevitably be changes, adaptations corrections and improvements. For this reason, it is not easy to compile a written Book of Customs. Here, however, we are getting to the point where a Book of Customs will have to be prepared, even if it will be revised to correspond to the construction of new buildings, notably the new oratory, and to the reconfiguration of existing spaces one cannot overestimate the importance of fostering regularity. But by this I do not mean a harsh regime that brooks no exceptions. I refer rather to the steady rhythm that can admit of the occasional exception, and without conceding to idiosyncrasies, accommodate the dispensations required by fluctuations in health, by changing circumstances and by particular needs. Benedictine life is like the chant, regular and flowing, yet not without its rises and falls, and even admitting of the occasional surprise or unexpected interval. The abbot is like the choirmaster, trying to keep all together and to facilitate an intelligible rendering of the text and of its meaning. St. Thomas, in treating of law and custom, warns of the dangers of introducing change without due consideration for the consequences, and also sets out the criteria for dispensations. St. Thomas says, To a certain extent, the mere change of law is itself prejudicial to the common good, because custom avails much for the observance of laws, seeing that what is done contrary to general custom, even in slight matters, is looked upon as grave. consequently, when a law is changed, the binding power of the law is diminished in so far as custom is abolished. Wherefore human law should never be changed unless in some way or other the common weal be compensated according to the extent of the harm done in this respect. Uh, if this teaching of St. Thomas had been taken to heart uh, in the past 50 years uh, we would have been spared, I think uh, a lot of um, uh, damage uh, to the common weal, as he puts it. And St. Thomas also says, he who is placed over a community is empowered to dispense in a human law that rests upon his authority, so that, when the law fails in its application to persons or circumstances, he may allow the precept of the law not to be observed. If, however, he grant this permission without any such reason, and of his mere will, he will be an unfaithful or an imprudent dispenser. Unfaithful, if he has not the common good in view. Imprudent, if he ignores the reasons for granting dispensations. Uh, There St. Thomas is speaking like a true Dominican, for whom the principle of dispensation uh, in in the Dominican constitutions is is extremely uh, important. But also in Benedictine life, Uh, this um, particular article... Um, of question ninety seven is is extremely uh, relevant the abbot must do everything he can to establish in the monastery the peace that comes from regularity i remember um, in one abbey the conventional prior before it became an abbey um, uh, he finally had to be had to be not opposed but uh, encouraged to present his his uh, abdication because uh, for years it went on he would, the brothers would come out of um, choir or come out of chapter or come out of the factory and he clap his hands and he would call them all around and he would say "Um, today sex will be at 12.27 <laughs> <laughs> and the next day he'd go and say today sex will be at 12.32 and he kept changing the horarium for everything, every day until until the community was at, in a point of just not knowing uh, as a French say Sur danser what foot to dance on. It was just very, very difficult. And and the the seniors went to him and said, Very Reverend Father, you can't keep doing this. It's disturbing the regularity and peace of the house. The brothers never know what to expect. Um so he he uh he, he finally—he. He, this was the only way he could function. He was always making adaptations and and uh, changes, and there were never two days alike. And finally, the community had enough. And when they had a visitation, they visit, said, "We think that as much as we love our conventional prior, needs to set aside for the sake of regularity." So, in this regard, we're doing quite well because even um, with the fluctuations. Uh, caused by by sickness and by uh, construction and by all the work that we we have to take on, Um, our life is is regular. And and I, I count this a great blessing. The Pax Benedictina that ought to characterize our life rests upon the balance and harmonization of regularity, moderation, adaptation to changing circumstances, allowances for infirmities, and in all things charity. So that when I order the day, or make changes in the order of the day, I'm always balancing regularity, moderation, adaptation to changing circumstances, allowances for infirmities, and in all things charity. It's striking that when one studies the history of many monasteries, one discovers that the beginnings are more often than not marked by infirmities and illness. I I think this is our Lord's way of um, allowing the community to learn uh, the virtues of humility. patience, charity, compassion, and a certain suppleness with regularity. In such instances, the abbot, without departing from the preservation of regularity in the observance, will need to provide his sons with an example of humility and weakness, patience in suffering, and joyful abandonment to divine providence. And this, this applies to any brother who cannot follow the observance in every point. The perfection of the monastic life is not in a flawless observance. It is rather in humility and weakness, patience in suffering, and joyful abandonment to divine providence. The eighth degree of humility treats effectively of what Abbot Guéranger, in that fine little book that he wrote for novices, calls the family spirit. and I want to read it to you. Abbot Guéranger wisely says, they will never venture the least criticism of the observances under the pretext that these are more perfect elsewhere. They will remember. That they have not yet committed themselves in any way, he's speaking here of novices, and so are perfectly free to go wherever their fancy leads them. If it happened that some did not esteem the order, or its spirit, or its administration, they should understand straight away that they will find it impossible to develop this family spirit. It would then be a duty to withdraw, so as not to retain the externals of a life that will never gain the allegiance of their thoughts and intentions. The early days of Solemn were marked by the cultivation of a strong family spirit. Uh, that was really one of the characteristics of early Solemn, uh, a kind of a spirit of allegiance and loyalty and affection, uh, brotherly affection. Um, there was great simplicity. Uh, people going to Solemnity, in, uh, in all of the accounts that come from the, the early years, uh, were struck by the, the great simplicity and um, the quality of the family life. Uh, and we see this in other monasteries too. Um, Le Barou was noted for its family spirit, for a certain uh, simplicity. Um, And people who come to us always say that they see a strong family spirit, and I, I pray that we'll always keep that. The monk who aspires to be an amator loci et fratrum, a lover of the place and of the brethren, will love his monastery, love his abbot, love his brethren, and love the observances and customs that give to his monastic family its own unique physiognomy. He will walk humbly and cheerfully in the footsteps of his fathers and brothers, renouncing his subjective preferences and idiosyncrasies, and drawing strength from the great cloud of witnesses, the monks of every age, who, in following the common rule, attained an uncommon holiness. With regard to Abbot Guéranger's handbook for novices, it is obligatory reading in the first months of life in the monastery. If there are any of you who have not yet read it, it is on the reading list. Um, Come to me and I will give you a copy. It's not too late to do so. It's a book to which I still return. I first read it in 1971 and I still go back to it. Uh, It's a marvelous little book. Um, The first edition uh, contained lovely little Celesnian touches that have been edited out of more recent editions. In the early days at Solène, the recruitment was was local. Uh, That would have been true in the 19th century. Um, The custom was for a man to enter the monastery that existed in his diocese. go too far from home. And uh, Abbe Guéranger says that uh, on the day of the weekly promenade, which in his customary was always Thursday. We don't have that because of our our Thursdays of solemn exposition. But he said that on the day of the weekly promenade, if in the course of the walk, the brethren should pass in front of the house of the family of one of the brethren they should call in for a visit. Uh, and he doesn't even exclude uh, uh, a hot drink and, and a little visit with the family. That's a very homely touch. Uh, he assumes that when they go out for walks, they're going to uh, pass in front of the house of someone in the community. Uh, so uh, that, that shows the humanity of Abbot Granger. That's since been excised from the book. Which is a great pity, because it showed that uh, he, he had this this uh, sensitivity to um, uh, uh, to, to, to uh, the human quality of Benedictine life. Uh, it's hardly possible today, when men come from look at you. <laughs> it's <laughs> unlikely that we're going to pass in front of Don <laughs> Cassian's. Family home anytime soon, or that of any of us, really. So. But the book is, is well worth studying.